0: This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu.
1: Hello and welcome to Window on the East with me, Ben Aris, the editor of BNE IntelliNews. The Belarusian revolution seems to have moved into a new phase this week. The people have won control of the streets and defeated the police, but Lukashenko very much remains in charge. Now it's getting political. The Opposition's Coordination Council met for the first time yesterday. The EU had an emergency session on what to do about the situation today, and last night there were reports that the head of the FSB flew into Minsk for three hours to meet with Lukashenko. A lot remains uncertain. So I sat down and talked to Tajik Gishan, who's a PhD student at UCL in London and has also been one of the main voices on Twitter reporting on what's been going on on the ground. So Tajik, really good to talk to you. i um, really interested to hear what you have to say. Obviously, dramatic events are unfolding in Belarus and it's changing from day to day. Um, really, I have a list of questions, and um, you've been very much on top of the story. Um, I think you've joined uh, Nexta, um, who's run by a friend of yours, um, which has been the main source, 2 million subscribers, and has actually been driving this whole, um, or at least organizing to some extent, the the whole protest movement. But the main questions that need to be answered, um, we'll start with the most obvious one, that after Lukashenko called on Russia. For help, there's been a round of speculation as to whether Russia will invade, and I suppose the extension of that is—is is this a Ukrainian model or is this an Armenian model? You know, where Russia actively destabilizes the country and takes it over, as opposed to Armenia, where there was a democratic elected uh, leader who ended up wanting to do business with Russia, and they seem to be quite happy with that. Um, Another question is, what is actually the relationships with Russia going to be? Um, because it seems to me the Belarusian people and the opposition leaders in particular are actually quite pro-Russia. Um, they've said that they want to stay in the Union state, and I don't see them withdrawing from the Eurasia Economic Union. And then um, finally, well, second, thirdly, is, is what is the EU's role in this? Um, Tikhonovskaya sent out the message this morning calling on the EU to um, not recognize the elections. But the EU seems to be pushing already for a role as negotiator uh, or intermediary. Um, but I'm not less convinced that that's a good idea. And finally, how are we going to get rid of Lukashenko? Because he sort of dug his way in. The, the protests have taken control of the streets, but you know he's still in his office, he's still in command of the army. Uh, and it seems like it's gonna be difficult to get rid of him. But let, let's start with the first question: um, Is Russia going to invade and take the country over? Everyone says it's too strategically important for Russia that to to ignore, and that's the default take on what's going to happen next. Do you believe that's going to happen?
0: Uh, hi Ben. Uh, yeah. First of all, thanks for for inviting me for having me. Um, uh, regarding Russia, I think you know the situation is so dynamic at this at this moment. So I think, like, uh, looking at Russia's Russia's media, Kremlin looks like it wants to keep its options open for the time being because you know some part of Russian media, like Rossiya, the TV channel, they um, they depict Belarusian uh, the protesters as some sort of you know Western Ukrainian nationalist banderotsi, who want to ban Russian language, uh, Orthodox Church, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, uh, like Gazprom-controlled TV channel. Or channel one, um, they they remain fairly uh, fairly neutral in their coverage, um, so it's hard. It's really hard to tell at this point. Uh, what we what we can see though is that uh, obviously, Lukashenko held extensive talks with uh, with Putin, uh, with Lavrov. Uh, you know, uh, lots of European leaders: uh, Merkel, Macron. Um, the head of heads of uh, some EU institutions, they they all had phone conversations with Putin in recent days. Macron even twice. Um, and uh, after they had these conversations, Putin just calls Lukashenko and uh, and tells him pretty much what 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 was it about. The only thing is we don't really know what was it about because you know uh, they don't provide the the public with the details. Uh, but it, it it feels like you know, this should be crucial, uh, not, not you know, Lukashenko's actions, but because he obviously he'll try to hang on to power for as long as possible. But what would Russia and the West decide? Because, you know, uh, we don't live in an ideal world, obviously. And we all know that, you know, the level of, uh, of Belarus dependence on Russia is absolutely enormous and uh, Putin uh, holds the key to, to Belarus pretty much. So. Uh, we need to keep looking at how the, the talks on Belarus between Putin
1: and the West. We've always, said to, yeah. we've always said that uh, Putin is a, is a tactician more than a strategist, and, and he's very good, actually, um, at playing these situations and reacting, but lacks the long-term vision. Am I right, though? Because we've been assuming that the Belarusian people in general are fairly universally pro-Russia that they, they, they do look to the east more than they look to the west. I mean, there's been no mention of EU values. Someone got an EU flag out at one of the protests yesterday, and the crowd told them to put away that, quote-unquote, foreign flag. Um, and they are yeah. looking to Russia. They are So that if Russia were to militarily intervene or even prop Lukashenko up, wouldn't the whole protest movement suddenly turn on Russia, become anti-Russia? Isn't, isn't that one of the things that's going to prevent the Kremlin from being overtly aggressive.
0: Well, the thing about Belarusians uh, wanting to to keep good relations with Russia is absolutely true. Uh, the thing is, uh, um, like me, my, my, I myself, like, and I can speak on it. Like, I, I think, uh, I think lots of Belarusians would share my, my my view is that Belarusians want to keep good economic relations with Russia, but at the same time, nobody wants deeper integration. Nobody wants. Uh, you know the union state to to become a reality. I think in 2018 there was a survey uh, in Macron to which only uh, some eight percent of population of Belarus actually support the deeper integration. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, but the Belarusian population in general wants uh, to 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 keep to maintain good relations with Russia, but at the same time to become much more open to the West, to the EU. Uh, at, at this point, yeah, this is. The situation yesterday from from Main Square, one of protesters like was waving EU flag and, leave, like, and other, some other people asked him to to, to hide it. It's um, it's 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 because at this point you know Belarusian protesters Belarusian opposition they they want uh, to attract as as much people uh, as many people as possible um, because uh, and because you know this this movement is is, is not in a position anymore. It's it's actually it's Belarusian population mm. <laughs> because. It's the majority. Uh, I think it's the first time people realize they're in a the majority, and uh, um, they want to to keep this movement as as broad as as, as possible. As, as um, that's why they 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 don't um, they don't put forward any any controversial ideas that can divide uh, the public opinion. The only the only actual plan of Tichanovsky and the Coordination Council is to release political prisoners and then call for
1: new free fair elections, and mm-hmm. we see that. Yeah, yeah and then leave leave the whole problem of what to do about foreign policy etc to the new government. Yeah and then you know newly elected government
0: newly elected president can 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 you know can decide and speak uh, on behalf of the Russians with Russia with the with the west but you know most popular opposition candidates Viktor Babarika, uh, Valeriy Tsykala they uh well Tchanovska herself they didn't they they, they are fairly, fairly pro Russian in from the economic point of view. Uh, Babarika.
1: I'm a little confused because I remember the demonstrations well, which were the last protests we had before these ones, against the idea of the union state. And and very clearly, um, this whole protest movement has catalyzed a sort of sense of um, nationhood uh, amongst the people, that the the Belarusian sovereignty is is core to them. But I'm a bit confused in so much as uh, Kolesnikov said yesterday that they're not going to rip up the union state deal with Russia that would bring the two countries together in some sort of, like, Eastern version of the Eurozone. Um, and that suggests that it, she, at least, is, is more pro-Russian, closer integration than the population.
0: Well, first of all, again, uh, the protests of December 2019, that were led by uh, different people, uh, mostly the, the main leaders, the main faces of that movement was Adolf Siverinitz and uh, Nikolai Sadkevich, who are now both in jail at the moment. So you know, all, all radical radical faces of the opposition they've been removed, at least for the time being. So, uh, and at at the moment, only all all anti-Russian Belarusian radicals are are in prison. Right. Uh, the the leaders of this of this movement. So. Uh,
1: so if yeah, Russia is uh, not going to invade. I mean, there were reports this morning that um, an FSB plane landed with Bortnikov, the head of the FSB, on board. And presumably, he's going to go to Lukashenko, and presumably, he's going to offer him some advice. And what that advice is, um, is impossible to say. But the assumption, the the, the basic assumption would be that um, he's there in order to to at least stop the collapse of the government, but maybe to persuade Lukashenko to go, but then maybe thrash out some sort of deal whereby he can exit with some sort of dignity. Um, and I think the Kremlin's overall re- uh, reaching goal here is not to have a chaotic collapse of government because that becomes really unpredictable and you don't know who you're dealing with. But you know, why, would you say that was a, it was a valid scenario? Is that how the Kremlin wants to do it? They're gonna take their time? Um, and try and do this, if and accept a democratic, elected new government if that comes about.
0: Well, this uh, this Bortnikovs, or, or I mean Bortnikov or someone else, some, some other uh, senior officer from FSB, he actually already left. others uh, they made a brief visit to, to Lukashenko and his. Uh, the most likely they visited Lukashenko and one of his uh, his eldest son Victor, who is his national security advisor, uh, last night, and like the, this whole meeting lasted for some three hours and they've already left. Uh, uh, we don't know what they discussed, but, you know, at the same time, yesterday evening, uh, Alec um, uh, the leader of the Liberal Democratic Party, but it was like some sort of, uh, you know, this pocket opposition, uh, but it was in version of Jdenovsky. Uh, he announced the creation of the pro-Russian uh, patriotic movement. Uh, that's what it, it's called, Um and he also calls for a new election or for a new constitution and so on and so forth. So uh, I, I think many, many, many in Russia, um, they want Lukashenko to go, but they want to make it peaceful and to uh, so that Belarus will maintain close relations with Russia. And at the same time, they, they want to make sure, you know, that 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 Russian, Russian Russia's interests in Belarus will be, um, you know, will be will be hurt, you know, will, that, that Russia will have know, um, decisive role in determining the future
1: of the future Belarus. Then, and then they'll have some sort of friendly new face to deal with. If they let the political prisoners out and elections are held next week, um, will Bavariko, the jailed banker who worked for Gazprom for 20 years, should be pointed out, um, will he win the elections? Will he become the new president? Well, before he was
0: uh, barred from running, uh, and be- before he was actually put in jail, he was by far the most popular uh, position candidate. Uh, you know, you, m- you might probably remember that uh, like every candidate had to collect 100,000 signatures in his support, and he collected almost half a million, which was an, an absolute record. Voters, uh, and uh, like it was only the moment where when uh, his team, uh, his his campaign team. Uh, endorsed Tikhonovskaya and like provided her with their information, media, like financial resources. Uh, it was that moment when Tikhonovskaya started to to you know became the opposition leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Babarika is still the strongest uh, the strongest candidate who would be uh, with whom both the West and Russia would be happy, and obviously Belarusian people uh, who will be ready to vote for him. But at the same time, uh, I think. Uh, we are also witnessing the emergence of another leader. It's early to say, but you know, yesterday um, it was the first press conference of uh, Svetlana um the this uh, transfer power coordination council. Uh, that's what it's called. And uh, Pavel Latushka, the former minister of culture, the former ambassador to, well, to pretty much everywhere, <laughs> to Poland, to France, to Spain. Uh, uh, he kind of emerged as a as a new leader. He spoken very confidently he you know while uh and uh, one of the female trio and uh other people on the on the on the committee on the committee board they well uh they they try their best but you know and their responses to some questions were not very very diplomatic not very political um and latushka he actually he, he really nailed it uh i think i think it's like it, it felt like he was waiting for this for this moment for a while, and you know today we'll have this uh, this first actual meeting of this uh, of this council.
1: And, and, and I he think would be uh, he would be another acceptable face to both east and west. Yeah, absolutely, and also from mm-hmm. pretty much for Belarusian officials because he's actually
0: he's part of them. Yeah. Well, he's 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 a member of the Belarusian elite. He's a former minister, not not so long ago. Um, well, like yesterday, he also like, made this revelation in a way that uh, many, many, many people, uh, you know, in uh, you know, many senior officials in Belarus, they actually, they, they are on some sort of Italian strike. Like, they don't really try their best to, to you know, to, to help Lukashenko out know, with this situation. So, we'll see. Uh, the, the, the next, the upcoming couple of days will be crucial because, you know, at this point, uh, lots of Belarus, lots, lots of people in Belarus, me including, like, feel some sort of like emotional breakdown it, 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 it feels like you know there's the scale is in in Lukashenko's favor at the moment because because of because of many people who who who, who went on strike they they are being threatened you know just today we find out that uh, 300 uh, MTAZ workers the Minsk structure plant workers they were fired you know like one of the major major strike movement activists uh, so it's 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 hard to tell, but at the same time, yesterday the local authorities in Grodna in western South, uh, northwestern Belarus they met pretty much all uh, all the protesters' demands. Uh, they they provided um, well they apologized. They they released all the political all, all the people who were detained. All the people who were detained uh, during the protest and apologized officially. It's uh, also they 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 provided their. Grodna TV channel, Grodna like local newspapers uh, for for the protesters. You know they they offered like uh, unbiased coverage and uh, you know many 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 other things. And they promised that no no one will be fired. And we see today that Grodna Azot, uh, which is the gas fertilizers uh, plant, one of the largest Belarus as well. Uh, they two thirds of its uh, of, of its workers like. Join the strike indefinitely. Uh, so we'll I see. The situation is very dynamic. Uh,
1: I, I agree. I mean, the, the situation is fluid, but I agree. It does sort of feel like we've we've actually reached a stalemate here, where the people have taken the streets and defeated the police, but at the same time, Lukashenko continue, continues to sit in his ivory tower in control of the security forces. And it's it's going to be difficult to get him out, which brings me on to to um, another question that the EU um, is having an emergency meeting today. And there's already been various statements uh, with targeted sanctions against Lukashenko and they've made him persona non grata. However, um, what should or what could the EU do to help? Now, Tikhonovskaya released in her video message, she she called on Europe uh, to not recognize Lukashenko, but... What I thought was interesting was that she specifically said that uh, the West should respect international law, they should respect the sovereignty of Belarusia, and they should respect the choice of the Belarusian people, which seemed to me that she was saying, Look, we need your help, delegitimize. Lukashenko, by, by not recognizing the elections, but at the same time, your role in this fight is limited, that we have made our choices, we are going to do our deal. She's saying, look, basically, don't drag us into your geopolitical fight with Russia. You know, this is about us, our our people, what we want. And, and so I'm wondering to what extent the EU, what, what exactly its role should be um, And they've talked about sanctions, and and, um, Colin Neskova already said that maybe it's too soon for sanctions, because that actually makes the negotiations more difficult. I've personally been arguing that the EU should stay out, because it's really not involved in Belarusia at all, in terms of trade and investment. There's no aid programs. And that there is this danger that if it gets heavily involved, um, it will be seen to another Ukraine where it's trying to get Belarusia to leave Russia's sphere of influence and join the Western sphere of influence. And then it becomes uh, another geopolitical tug of war between the two. And I get the feeling, and, and please tell me if I'm wrong, I get the feeling that the, the, um, the Coordination Council is, is very aware of this danger of being caught up in this geopolitical fight. And it's being very careful to try and avoid that. So what, what do you think?
0: Well, I think uh, the, the major thing, firstly, uh, in the position, the Coordination Council and the people, one from the EU, is to not recognise Lukashenko as a legitimate president and to, to 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 do whatever it takes, you know, to to force him to call a new election uh, that will be held uh, in presence of uh, international monitors, because you know, I I think that would be that would be ideal, because you know, direct intervention. Uh, Will be seen as you know it will it will be uh it will just fuel the the state propaganda of matters that you know indeed uh you know it's 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 an attempt of the western imperialism you know to,
1: to ruin our stable. little prosperous culture i mean that line's already came out on tv last yeah week. yeah
0: <laughs> but you know uh, if it will be it will be backed by actions uh, i think you know it will be this 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 narrative will become even stronger although you know, obviously it's hard to, there is no one good one good solution, uh, uh, one good way out out of this situation. Um, I personally, I personally believe that, that, you know, not recognize Lukashenko as a legitimate president and to, like, to call for, for a new election is, uh, is the main thing, the major thing that the EU as an institution should do in, in this situation.
1: And it should only do that, shouldn't it? I mean, if it goes beyond that, um, threaten sanctions, trade, whatever, um, then, as you say, you play to this. Um, this is another Ukraine. This is another attempt by the EU to to scoop up. Our, well, the
0: EU's um, involvement in Ukraine was much, 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 much higher, much deeper. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone will any any top EU or. Uh, or US official is going to visit uh, Minsk anytime soon, you know, to help talks with uh, the Russian opposition. Uh, you know, sanctions, some sort of sanctions have already been in place, you know, against those people who are uh, involved in the disappearance of the opposition leaders in 99, 2000, like Victor Shaman, like, um, uh, I forgot his first name, Pavlichenka, the, the, the former head of uh, Amon unit who was brought back from retirement to disperse this protest uh, on 10th and eleven or oh, 9th and 10th of, of August? Because you know the, the the actual commander was not like an actual police officer. He was this 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 guy who is, you know, who's personally loyal to Lukashenko and has already been retired for quite a while. Uh, you know, he's still under sanctions. Mm. Uh, so some sort of personal sanctions are already in place. You know, personal sanctions are not really really they won't really change much because, you know, Lukashenko and Belarusian elites are not like uh, like Russian or uh, Azeri or Kazakh. Uh, you know, they don't have their mansions in, in, you know, in Surrey or, you know, the Chalets somewhere in Switzerland. Their family, their wives, they they, they don't send their, their kids, you know, to study in European or British universities. Uh, the context between them and the EU is extremely limited. Mm. So personal sanctions... They won't change much. They don't have, you know, bank accounts. In
1: but th- this is the problem. The EU has almost no leverage over Lukashenko at all. I mean...
0: Well, it economically- can, technically, it, it can introduce, you know, uh, economic sanctions. Mm. Because, you know, unlike 2010, 2006, when the EU and the US, they tried this economic sanctions uh, tool, uh, it actually worked pretty well both times. Uh, but, you know, these times, it's uh, the effect will be even stronger because the, the major... Um, the major, I don't know, motor uh, engine of, of the Russian economy these days is the IT sector, which mm. is uh, completely dependent on uh, Western markets. Yeah, uh, ninety percent of
1: the software exports goes to the US and the EU.
0: Um, yeah, and it accounts to some ten percent of, of of the Russian experts, if I recall correctly. Mm. So, uh, just you know, temporary temporary ban on 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 on, on those IT experts to the West will most likely lead to the collapse of the russian economy but again you know it's it's not the outcome we all want right Uh, because it will hurt the russians in the first place uh, ordinary citizens Uh, but that's that's it's one of the radical tool if you know if Lukashenko decides to you know to to start a new wave of of crackdown on the on the people
1: so what what, what, yeah. what can he um what does he do now? Um, as I say, he's lost control of the streets the police have been uh, and the Oman have been proven to be ineffective the, the people haven't been intimidated despite the incredible brutality of the um the, the what was unleashed on them and um, one of the options I mean and, and you said earlier that he's coming back now that we're seeing these these accusations um, of you know EU and black NATO soldiers on the border are getting ready to <laughs> invade a really nice bit of racism there um but one of the the most extreme uh, options is martial law and the soldier the army has not been really involved in this so far um and on the, the the flip side the protesters have been extremely peaceful but if this drags on too long there's a danger that the protests fizzle, fizzle out and then lukashenko hangs on Um, At some point, they have to make the decision about whether they're going to be a bit more aggressive, whether they're going to storm government buildings, whether they're going to actually storm the police stations and prisons and let those political prisoners out and like literally take control. And I think everybody wants to avoid that because that will almost certainly end in, in shooting. But martial law remains uh, an extreme option that Lukashenko must be looking at. I mean, he put the army on the Polish border. He put the army on the Polish border on high alert. Um, and he could be just looking for a provocation, some excuse in order to do that. Do you think that's a realistic um, solution? I don't think it's it's
0: too realistic at this point, you know, this the introduction of martial law. Uh, I think uh, what they're trying to do right now like, uh, is to disperse the strikes, you know, to... You know, to fire the the most active strikers, and you know, to, to, to convince to threat everyone else, you know, to to stay away. Um, you know, you know, some uh, the authorities they they turn some of some of workshops, some of uh, factories in some sort of concentration camps because you know they lock they lock employees inside their their workshops. You know, they don't let them out. Hmm. Uh, so so we're witnessing some sort of forced labor at the moment. Uh, at the same time, as I said, uh, you know three hundred uh, workers have been fired uh, last night or this morning, most likely we still don't have official confirmation. Um, at the same time, Gorodna Azot, which is one of the major money Saligorsk, uh, Belarus Kali, which is the you know yeah. the, 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 the major they' the, uh, they're the major one of the top insurance. three top three most profitable enterprises in Belarus yeah. they they' still striking. Uh, Maria Kalesnikova, uh, one of these female uh, trio. They she 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 visited the Saligorsk, uh yesterday, and, uh, you know, to talk to the stri- striking workers. But you know, at, at, at this point, I think this is the the, the the major concern. This will be like the the event of the week uh, is uh, is what's going to happen with, with striking workers with uh, with the industrial action in Belarus. If 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 the authorities will be will manage to you know to to crack, uh, to crack down on strikes and, you
1: know, to isn't, you know, isn't bring back control of factories. Yeah. Isn't that the, the opposition's only real leverage over the government in so much as if the general strike continues, then you're going to have a huge economic crisis. And at the end of the day, what they need to do is, is split the elite to get people in the elite to, to withdraw their support for Lukashenko. And if you wreck the economy, you take away their money. Um, that could be one mechanism for doing it. You know, when they just see it's a lost cause, that the, the strikes are not going to stop, um, the economy is going to a collapse, they're going to get to a point where like, this is just not worth it anymore um, and, and turn on him. And if he's, because he's only being propped up at the moment by the security forces, he has no support from anywhere else.
0: Well, that's true. That's actually what Pavel Otushka, the former minister, Culture uh, said yesterday is that you know the 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 only uh, remaining pillar of of Lukashenko is the security services. He specifically mentioned the KGB because uh, that's that's who controls the country at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lukashenko has no other support base apart from uh, the security services and uh no, certain 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 people who actively took part in uh, in the classification machine like. You know, some sort of school head teachers and, and, and people like that. Um, and, well, I don't really know what, what 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 the opposition plan is at the moment. Obviously, the the fact that Latushka joined the Coordination Council uh, is is a very good sign because uh, he's one of the one of the regime insider. He knows, you know, what's going on inside. Uh, maybe he'll be able, you know, to. Um, to turn to, to to make some people, some some high officials to turn their backs on, on, on Lukashenko. Well, we'll see in the next couple of days. But um, well, today, the situation doesn't look you know too bright for for the opposition. Because well,
1: I agree. I think you know as of the the, the meeting of the the coordination council that the story has changed uh, from the streets to the beginning of this long game of like, negotiated solutions and pressure and politics and the legal challenges that are being mounted. But we shall continue to follow it closely. Uh, Tajus, we're, we're out of time. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Very interesting. And I highly recommend everybody to follow Tajus on, um, on Twitter, where he's pouring out information on a daily basis and also on Nexter, which has become the main source of information. So um, let's talk again soon when things have moved to, the, to another uh, important stage.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Ben. Thanks very much for for having me and uh, stay in touch. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks everyone.
1: All the best. Cheers.
0: Cheers. Bye.